So if someone comes to me and says, hey, I want to write a newsletter, where should I start? What I'll tend to say is, don't start a newsletter yet. Go on Twitter or Indie Hackers or mm. wherever the audience that you like hangs out. Spend time discussing there, writing comments, getting feedback, and just see if you really enjoy it. Hello and welcome back to Indie Bites, the podcast where I bring you stories of fellow indie hackers in 15 minutes or less. Today I'm joined by Louis Nichols, who is the co-founder of Sparkloop, a product that helps newsletter operators grow through referral partnerships. Indie hackers might know Louis from his Sales for Founders course, which he ran a few years ago, as well as his many other projects. But before we get into it, we have a returning sponsor, which is a certain SEO tool. It's Hrefs. Now you savvy indie hacker know that SEO is one of the best ways to drive organic traffic to your project but you're not exactly too sure where to start. Well, I've got a place for you to start. After this episode, I want you to try something for me, completely free. Head to hrefs.com slash webmastertools, that's A-H-R-E-F-S.com, and you'll be able to see which keywords your pages are ranking for, understand how Google sees your content, and discover how making changes can blow up your traffic, and I know you want that. I've put a link in the show notes for you to give it a go, and I want to see screenshots of you signing up on Twitter. Make sure you DM me, I'm at McKinvan. There's no extended version of this episode, but did you know that Indie Bites is on YouTube? See my face and the faces of my guests at YouTube, youtube.com slash Indie Bites. Let's get into this episode. Louis, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? James, thanks for having me. I am I'm great. So you're now working full-time on Sparkloop. You've bootstrapped this product. Tell me the founding story of you starting this new company and partnering up with your co-founder Manuel with Referral Hero. Yeah, so it's a fun thing that happens when you get a couple of years into a company. The lines blur between like what actually happened at the beginning and the nice story that you tell people. So I was doing some marketing consulting for a newsletter. I'd met Manny, my co-founder, and he was already working on his own SaaS business, which was like a generic referral tool for e-commerce and SaaS and, and all kinds of stuff, right? So I'd met him. I knew that he knew a load about referrals. And I was working on this marketing consulting for a newsletter. And they said, hey, Louis, do you also know anything about how we can do a referral program? Because we really want to try one. Mm. So I said, well, I know absolutely nothing about that really for newsletters specifically. But let me ask this friend of mine, Manny, because he runs a referral tool. So he'll know if there's anything out there. So I go to Manny and I ask, hey, can we use you for newsletters? If not, who should we go to? And he says, doesn't really work with us doesn't really like there isn't really anyone that we can recommend you go and work with but it's funny that you ask me this because you're like the third person this week who's asked that's kind of interesting we don't actually you know he's not growing that quickly with his existing tool but people keep asking this other thing maybe we should take a look and figure this out and so did you just like partner up and build something from scratch did you use existing tech from referral hero because as far as i'm aware that still exists as a standalone product right yeah, Manny, actually, once we became clear that Sparkloop was going to be a lot more successful than Referral Hero was, which was basically on autopilot by that point anyway, I think, Manny ended up selling that to to someone else, I think about a year, year and a half into Sparkloop. So we obviously took a lot of the knowledge from what he'd done with Referral Hero, and, and it was much, much quicker to get set up because of that. Originally, we didn't think this was going to be a, like a, a business. We didn't think we were going to become co-founders. I thought I was just going to help him out while he sort of built this as an, an additional sort of extra version of, of Referral Hero. But once we started talking to, to customers and, and getting it set up, we realized it was very, very different, even though it's still a referral program under the hood. So it, it needed to be its own thing. And then we decided to kind of tackle it together, I guess. So... To me, on the outside, it seems like Referral Hero, this more generic referral tool, surely has more chance of being successful than something 
that's specifically for newsletters. Why is it that Sparkloop had that spark and Referral Hero didn't? Referral Hero had a lot more competition than Sparkloop did. And mm. it was also very broad, right? So it had to do a lot of different things for different people. And selling that, especially as an indie hacker, is very challenging. You know, marketing a tool to everybody when you're one person or two people is, is extremely hard. Whereas if you're selling to a very explicit niche that really on your product really only does one thing, then it's much easier to be the best and it's much easier to be the only one really in the market. I've been thinking about this, about going into a market with lots of competition where it's already validated, some might say. And I was thinking about Sparkloop and I was like, well, this, this seems niche, but also not that niche because there's millions of email newsletters out there. So potentially it could be for anyone who has this newsletter. But actually, then I'm thinking about it again, not many of these newsletters have got to the point where they might want to pay Sparkloop the fee it is to introduce the referrals. Some people might want competition for the validation or some people might do the blue ocean thing of there's no competition. There's just a market we can capture here. I really don't think about the competition at all. What I think about more is like, how can you find a competitive, like a unique advantage? Yeah. Right? And I think your unique advantage can just be that, you know, other people are searching for something and you can just be that, but cheaper to begin with. Sure. You like that, that works in the short term, at least going into Sparkloop. Like at that moment, I didn't have any unique advantages. I didn't have a huge audience of my own. I didn't have, you know, like some tech behind me that was going to make us way better at this than anybody else or anything like that. So really our unique advantage was just that we really understood newsletter creators mm. a lot better than everyone else who was trying to sell to them. And we just turned that into our unique advantage which is something that everyone can do. You can always go and spend half an hour, you know, a day talking to a very specific group of people and get to know them better than everybody else does. Uh -huh. And you talk a lot, a lot about the merits of speaking to customers and speaking to potential customers. You had a, a fun side project a few years back, which was, do I need a landing page? Essentially talking about the idea that you can validate your idea before spending all of your time and effort building a product or a landing page and wasting effort there on something that might not people might not actually want or you're not addressing the problem. It's very easy to get into a trap as an indie hacker, I think, where you you get excited by shiny new things. You get excited by the the beginning stages and you think what you're excited about is building the business, but actually you're just excited about sort of not having encountered the the real bits of building a business yet, just the new shiny stuff. So you go and you do the new shiny that gets boring, it wears off. So you go and do the next new shiny thing and so on and so on. But if you're really not bothered by like the new shiny, you're not really bothered by the product at all. You just really enjoy helping a certain group of people and mm -hmm. spending time with them. Then it's really, really hard to, to give up and it's really hard to fail. So Louis, talk to me about the meat and potatoes of Sparkloop, these email referral programs. For me, who knows nothing about it, can you explain what it does and why it works? A referral program for a newsletter is very basic. You have a newsletter, you have hopefully hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of subscribers. Every time you send out the newsletter, you can ask those subscribers to do things. You might ask them to click on ads. You might ask them to purchase a course you've made or even some physical products or, or anything, right, to monetize them. But you can also ask them to share your newsletter to grow the audience. 
because newsletters don't have a natural sort of discovery mechanism built into them, right? There's no mm. YouTube for newsletters. You know, you don't just get discovered that way. So you have to go out and find people and you can do paid stuff like Facebook ads and all the other stuff to grow your newsletter. But you have this amazing source of potential growth sitting right there in your existing subscribers. They're all very happy to go out and share your newsletter if it's good with their friends and with other people who might like it. You just need to give them a little nudge. And what Sparkloop does is it makes it very easy to give them that little nudge or even a big nudge by saying, hey, go and refer friends, use this unique link. The more people you share it with, you know, you'll get more referrals and then you'll unlock rewards. And those rewards can be anything from stickers, hoodies, t-shirts, merch, swag, that kind of thing all the way through to like digital rewards, like coupons, months off, free mm. courses, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So am I thinking a referral program can go in literally from the start? If I was to start a brand new newsletter tomorrow and I wanted a good way to grow, I could sign up to Sparkleap and I could start growing that way. Or do I need a few thousand subscribers for it to work? You can definitely start from the beginning. The earlier you start with a referral program, more likely it is that you get the referral behavior built in mm. where people are happy to share and it becomes just part of the culture of your newsletter. At the same time, the smaller your audience, the fewer people are going to be making referrals. So the less impactful it is. Yeah. So if you have a million subscribers, that's a million people who might share. If you have 10 subscribers, that's 10 people who might share. You know, you'll be lucky if you get one or two of them to share. So in a world where you're sure that you really want to make this newsletter big and it's going to be a serious business and you're investing into it as like a, you know, a serious side project, a full-time thing that you want to make money from, then I'd say do the referral program as early as possible. If you're just thinking, hey, well, I'm going to try a newsletter for a couple of weeks and maybe it'll work out. And if it does, I can take it more seriously. Don't worry about a referral program. Add it later. How do you put a value on a subscriber? Uh, I bet you get this question a lot. <laughs> Yes, I do. I love this question because we, we actually built a calculator for this to, to help you work it out because everybody really underestimates the value of a newsletter subscriber. Yeah. It's so often we'll get someone coming in and they'll be like, yeah, probably like two, three dollars is how much a subscriber's worth. And then we'll run them through the calculator and they're like, oh, it's $30, $40. But it's, you know, it just comes down to how much money you expect to make off them, right? And, and how you monetize them. And obviously mm. the potential is always going to be way higher. But it's really, you know, if you're doing a, a newsletter that's supported by ads, you're likely going to be somewhere in the 8 to $20 range per subscriber. And if you're doing courses, you know, info products, that kind of thing, you're likely way higher than that. I remember sales for founders for me was up in the, the $30 to $50 range. And I know a couple of people who are way over $100 per subscriber. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah. Talk to me about how you grew Sparkloop as a business because it seems like every newsletter i see is talking about sparkly you got a buzz on twitter so how did you grow it with manuel from from the start so in the very very early days it was more outbound sales so we'd okay. reach out to people with newsletters that we knew and we actually did it on a paper performance model so for each referral you would pay basically which wasn't particularly good business model for us because we, we later realized, you know, we can't guarantee results. You know, it depends on how good the newsletter is and what rewards they use and all that kind of stuff. So we changed that up pretty quickly. But in the beginning, the first couple was was outbound sales and then it became word of mouth, basically. So we've we, we do some other stuff. We've we've tried, you know, sponsoring some stuff. We've done a little bit of paid ads, but it hasn't really brought in anything. Some content marketing, some webinars and that kind of thing. 
But the real driver is just word of mouth, basically. Can you give an indication of the size, maybe team size, just so people can get a feel from how far you've come with this bootstrapped? So we are currently six people looking to to bring one or two more on in the very near future. And we're comfortably profitable at at that size. Do you feel that this project, this business has more potential than some of your others, some of them that you've sold and has success with? Yes. Um, I don't think it's the one that had the biggest potential, to be perfectly honest, but it's one that I enjoy doing. And it's sort of one that I fell into by accident and it, it has a lot of potential. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm along for the ride, committed for, for at least a couple more years. And it's, it's, it's a fun one to do. We'll, we'll wrap up talking about growing newsletters, starting and growing newsletters. This is your bread and butter now, Louis. It's something that I'm interested in because I joked on Twitter, I see Sparkloop and I want to start a newsletter because it seems like a cool tool. And where I'm making podcasts and I'm non-technical, so I'm not really looking to do SaaS, I want to start a newsletter, but I don't know what that newsletter should be about. I don't know where to start. I don't know what makes a good one, how I should monetize it. So for someone who is interested in starting a newsletter, where should they start? If you're at the early stages and you really don't know what kind of newsletter you'd like to write, I would do two things. First, I would start reading a lot of newsletters and getting inspiration, you know, looking at the format, looking at how they monetize, looking at all that kind of stuff. That would be my first, the first thing I'd do. And the second thing I'd do is start thinking about the kind of people and subjects that I'm really interested in. So if someone comes to me and says, hey, I want to write a newsletter, where should I start? What tool should I use? What I'll tend to say is don't start a newsletter yet. Go on Twitter or Indie Hackers or Mm. wherever the audience that you like hangs out. It could be something completely offline and just spend time talking to them, spend time discussing their writing comments, getting feedback, becoming known and also getting to really understand these people and just see if you really enjoy it. If you're writing comments every day, and interacting with people for an hour or two and you really enjoy it, well, it would be very easy to turn that into writing something very interesting on the same mm-hmm. topic, but in a newsletter format, right? So that's generally where I would begin. And I think the point at which you want to switch over to the newsletter is the point at which you're pretty confident, hey, if I announced this newsletter today and just went out and told people that I know from having these conversations that it exists, I'd get 100 signups today. Mm-hmm. And is that how the Sales for Founders newsletter started for you? Yes. Yeah. I, I I hated sales and I had sold my previous business and I was on Indie Hackers and I was bored and I was I didn't know what to do with myself. So I just saw all these people making really stupid mistakes that I'd made <laughs> and thought, well, I can't stop myself from replying. So I'm just going to go and tell them they're wrong and they should do it this other way, basically. And I did that for a while. And I got fed up of sort of saying the same thing again and again to different people. And I realized, hey, people are thinking about this in completely the wrong way. And there's easier ways to explain this. So I just said, look, I'm going to do the newsletter. I'm going to do like a one-off webinar thing. If you want to sign up, come sign up. And it sold out super quick. And I was like, oh, well, I should probably think a little bit more about this. I do want to know what your favorite newsletters are. So on that piece about finding inspiration for newsletters, if people were to go away and look at some of your favorites, what would they be? I think Lenny's newsletter is a great one, just because he really sort of pushes the boundaries of what you can do with a newsletter in terms of, of, of the content and the format. I think Morning Brew is worth reading because it's a classic editorial newsletter. And, it, and then the other one I'll recommend is Caitlin Burgoyne's Why We Buy newsletter, especially mm-hmm. for anyone who's interested in marketing. Well, Louis, those are some great newsletter recommendations. 
but you'll know that I end every episode on some more recommendations, which include a book, a podcast, and indie hacker entrepreneur. The book I'm going to recommend is Wuthering Heights because I love it and it's great. I think people should read more fiction and fewer business books. So go read some fiction. So I'm going to recommend Corey Haynes' Default Alive as the podcast and the indie hacker. I'm going to say go and follow Josh Ho. Uh, Louis, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Indie Bites. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been awesome. Thank you for listening to this episode of IndieBytes. Thank you to today's sponsor, Ahrefs, the best tool for growing your business using SEO. But before I go, I've got three more things I think you could be interested in. First is my new podcast with co-host Dagobert Renouf. It's called This Indie Life. Second is extended ad-free episodes of IndieBytes with the membership. And third, if you have a podcast but editing takes up all of your time, drop me a message to help you out. All links are in the show notes. That's all from me. See you next week.